Unproductive Justice, a podcast on all things reproductive justice, rights, health, pop culture, whatever you want. I'm Bridget. And I'm Anna. And we are your two very unqualified hosts. Welcome back to our podcast. First and foremost, um, I just want to say, yeah, it's been a couple of months. Don't attack us. Stop biting us. Stop harassing us uh if you ever thought that this was going to be a consistently recorded podcast that's completely on you has nothing to do with us that is not our business we never said that it would be consistent and we've had a lot going on yeah some of us more than others for sure you're frozen you keep freezing We're having some technical difficulties per usual. It wouldn't be uh, unproductive justice if we weren't having those issues. Um, But yeah, so over the last few months, um, I have taken the bar exam, passed the bar exam. Woo! Where's our, um, the trumpet noise? And, uh, you know, all hell has broken loose in the repro space. Yeah. Um, Many things have happened. A lot of bad news in the news, uh, as many of you know. So we took a uh, pretty lengthy break. um, So you can stop berating us online and in real life. You know, all the thousands of emails that we've received from our uh, listeners, um, plural, um, yeah, I think, uh, we're going to get back into it and it's not going to be every week. It might not even be every year. So that's the expectation that we want to kind of go with. Um, it might not be forward. ever again for all we know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Anything could happen. You know, um, as we've said before, like our friendship is really up and down. <laughs> so anything could happen. Anything can happen, folks. Um, and you know what? This is supposed to be fun, right? So that's the most most important. This is supposed to be an enjoyable thing. And there's been too much heaviness over the last few weeks and months. Hell, the last few years, there's been too much heaviness. So we um, are out here just trying to survive. But we're back and we're here to talk about some of the things that have happened in the repro space over the last few months. Um, first and foremost, first and foremost, we need to touch on the leaked Dobbs decision. Um, yeah. As I'm sure you've heard, uh, about four weeks ago, a draft of the Supreme Court's decision overturning Roe versus Wade was leaked to the public. Um, this I've never heard of Supreme Court decisions leaking like celebrity nudes, but everybody collectively lost their goddamn minds. Um, The news cycles went crazy. Um, Suddenly everyone's an expert on reproductive rights. I've got, you know, 
people in my DMs wanting to break down all of the legal arguments in <laughs> all of the respective cases and abortion jurisprudence while I'm, you know, just trying to keep my head above water and keep up with work. Um, and yeah, it was really crazy. I think overall the feelings that I was having was I was very sad. I was very angry. Um, I felt just completely overwhelmed. Um, Anna, how did you feel? Um, I mean, I guess I was shocked in the way that it came out. And I think there's been a lot of um, conspiracy theories about, like, who leaked it and, like, what was the the purpose. Like, people thinking that maybe it was um, perhaps, like, someone on the inside who saw a draft um, like a clerk or something that saw a draft and wanted to leak it in order for the court to to be like lambasted in the media so that they would like uh, soften it <laughs> by the time it actually became the opinion. Um, I don't think that actually really matters. And if that is true, like I'm not sure how helpful it's like really going to be um, as far as having like that softening effect. Um, I think, yeah, generally, so it came out like uh, a couple weeks ago now and it was, uh, late at night and I was actually working on something, (laughs) not that I ever work past like 5 PM, but this night I was and like my, my boss, um, was actually off. Um, and we always joke that like when our bosses are off, that's like when things tend to happen because you know, like that's like the most annoying time for things to happen. Um, and so I had to, I texted her and I was like, welcome to hell. Like that was like my first thing I said to her. And she was like, oh, LOL, just got off the plane from vacation with the fam. And I'm like, okay, like, it's going to be really bad now. Um, and yeah, it was really bad. Um, I don't think we necessarily have to get into like the nitty gritty of what it said. Um, I think folks can find it and read it on their own. And I'm sure like, that everyone that's listening to this is probably already like read a lot of takes on it. Um, but it was just kind of really like jolting to read sort of just like the vitriol in which the court kind of like talked about this right and talked about basically saying that like women uh, and reproductive rights are just like not in the constitution at all. <laughs> and because of that, we shouldn't be protected or have basic rights. Um, And like, I think like the legal, um, the biggest point in the legal argument is kind of like, well, you know, when men sat around and wrote the constitution, they weren't contemplating women having rights. And so they shouldn't have rights, which (laughs) I'm sure that's true, but I don't think that's the point. (laughs) So um, yeah, what did you think about some of the claims that were in the actual opinion? Well, I have to agree with you. I think that, like, the actual substance of the opinion didn't... It doesn't really matter because just the tone and the language and the overall vibes around the opinion were just, like, rude, disrespectful, completely just erasing or failing to deliberately failing to acknowledge like all of the individuals who'd be impacted by this decision. It bizarrely like the opinion that was written by 
Justice Alito and was like drafted as the majority opinion, it um, it like said it went through all of like the history of the right to abortion without really ever addressing like the jurisprudence behind it and Mm -hmm. just completely ignored like how we got to the point where we where it was acknowledged within the constitution the fundamental right to abortion just like kind of threw all of that out the window and he decided to focus on like european (laughs) like early european 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 opinions from like before yeah. the United States was a country, like talking about like quickening and like the like right. all this weird stuff that like has n- has nothing to do with like the United States law, and was just absolutely ridiculous. Like it talked about it cited like something called like a gentleman's magazine <laughs> or something yeah. from like. <laughs> The 1800s, and I was like, all right, I don't think we need to cite this, like, right now. Picture this, like, I'm out at this, like, (laughs) uh, fellowship-related event, and I get, I'm, like, trying to, like, you know, kiki, have fun, talk to people, and then I get, like, the news notification, like, draft opinion overturning Roe v. Wade was released uh, from, like, Politico, my, like, heart drops into my asshole i like look around the table and like literally start tearing up and i'm like uh uh, i have to go check my phone and like a second later i get a text like we're meeting in 15 minutes so i'm like okay i have to go by and i like run out of this event and almost die because i scootered home and like risked my entire life like almost like ran over a person pushing a baby carriage, a dog who was running up the street. Like, it was absolute chaos. Got home just in time to, like, jump on the laptop. And then, like, everybody who works on this issue at our organization is on. And we're talking about it. And it was just, it was very sad. But, like, immediately we start going through the decision. And it's, like, midnight, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning, just, like, ripping through this, like, horrible decision that's not even based in our law or, like, precedent and yeah it was it was awful um i think like some of the standout points that were the most disgusting to me uh was particularly the way that alito talked about like how there were moments in history that significant precedent is overturned uh by the supreme court for like specific reasons and his example of that was Plessy v. Ferguson and Plessy v. Ferguson is this case that essentially said segregation yeah it's totally fine we can have separate but equal like things for black people and white people in the United States that's totally fine and it that case was overturned by Brown versus Board of Education which acknowledged that separate but equal is not a reality that like black americans will always have you know less resources because of our structurally racist society did in fact have you know less resources and that segregation in the united states is a shameful mark on our nation's jurisprudence and so he basically said like see here's an example of where really big precedent is overturned And I thought it was just disgusting that he, like, likened 
row to Plessy v. Ferguson, this horrible case like Mm -hmm. legitimizing segregation, especially considering that black women and people of color suffer the most from lack of access to abortion in the United States. So like that correlation was just frankly despicable and racist. Yeah, absolutely. It it was just vile throughout. Um, And again, just like... (laughs) He was kind of he was looking at it, and this is the the way that people try to rationalize getting getting away with this is um you know like sorry I just lost my thought. It's okay. It'll come back. I I completely <laughs> lost my thought. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta get those podcast uh, vibes. You're, we gotta oil up your podcast ears because it's been a while. But I mean, I think I think basically the thing that was most outrageous to me is that just like the whole discussion was rooted in um, let's think about what men thought about abortion in um, 1788. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I I don't know if that's really the starting point. Um, and I'm not sure that it the discussion should end there, perhaps. Um, and, like, I mean, people have different thoughts of, like, how to read the Constitution. There's, like, different camps of, like, you know, the living Constitution and textualists and whatever the fuck. But it's kind of, like, A, like, I don't think that du- this, like, dusty old document should necessarily be the thing that is underpinning basic human rights. No. B, like, if it has to be, like, I think the way that it has been, like, read before has clearly expanded the definition of a lot of these things. And, like, the way that it was intended, even by, like, the founders and, like, the framers of the Constitution was that it would clearly evolve. And we see that because there's, like, amendments. Like, they amended it. (laughs) Like, they they knew that this was, like, not... This is, like, not going to be it. Exactly. Um, And, yeah. And so, like, either way, I'm just kind of, like... You're the constitution is is stupid, but if we're gonna like do the constitution, then at least like realize that it was supposed to be a living constitution and something that changes over time. Exactly. And to your point, like they amended it. They said, Hey, you know, when this was written, like slavery was legal and only white men had the right, right. to vote. <laughs> but like, you know what, that was a little bit icky of us, so let's uh let's fix that. Let's have this amendment here. And it's like that in itself yeah. is proof that it was supposed to change with the times and reflect the current status of society. And, like, right now, it's just absolutely bonkers to think that it would be acceptable to take away this or to try to, yeah, to to eliminate the constitutional right to abortion, like, in the year of our Lord, 2022. It's just absurd. <laughs> It's just like my brother in Christ. My, this makes no sense. My brother in Christ. This makes no sense. <laughs> yeah. So what's next? What what is happening? I mean, I think that the opinion is gonna the actual opinion. And again, just to clarify for for listeners, this is a leaked opinion and a draft opinion. So it's not like the thing. It's not like binding. Um, and I expect it to like I expect that they're gonna soften the blow a bit because it's the way that it was written was like literally just like 
just like unhinged thoughts with like no connecting like arguments and just like just hatred um and and like it was very easy to take apart so i i actually think they're going to change it to try to sound a little bit more reasonable um but i think the effect is going to be the same like they might not say exactly like roe is overturned but i think regardless of what it does it's going to severely limit the right to abortion in this country um yeah and i guess that's just like a warning to folks like if if you see and it comes out this summer and you're like oh they didn't overturn roe i'm like you know let's look at it twice and you know did it effectively overturn roe um let's think through it through that lens so so what do you think is next exactly and like a lot of folks like i realize just reflecting back some of the like communication that i've had with like other people who are um in my life you know like family members friends who maybe don't know like the all of the ways in which the law works or like our systems of government work like folks have asked me like what is what is Congress going to do? You know, what's Biden going to do? And like, I think there's a lot of like houses of thought on that. First of all, like the Senate revoted on WIPA, um, which is the Women's Health Protection Act, which, which was a law that had already passed in the House um, and essentially created like broad uh, protections for abortion and would have been, you know, a legislative response to this draft opinion or the threat of the court overturning Roe v. Wade. Um, And unfortunately, uh, it failed to pass by 49 to 51. So yeah, that that didn't pass. Uh, That was really upsetting. But I think it's something that we expected. So like when folks are like, well, what's Congress going to do? It's like, you know, like we're at a standstill right now. Like even though Democrats technically have the majority in both houses of Congress, we don't, we can't get something like this passed because of like, honestly, Democrats who vote like Republicans, like Joe Manchin. Uh, And so first and foremost, there's that. Secondly, you know, Biden, there's certainly things that I think, or other folks think that he can do, but his powers are technically limited um, because we have this system of government, of our branches of government that want to ensure that like there's no one person is like supremely powerful within our system of government. So there's that dynamic at play. Um, I know the Biden administration has been like trying to address this issue and find ways to protect access but it's a little bit kind of like a little too late you know too little too late there's not much that we can really do at this point um and the reality of what's next i mean joe didn't even sorry joe didn't even like say abortion like the word abortion until very recently yeah when when this all went down and he didn't say it in it like out of his mouth like he wrote it it was written in a document like and that's upsetting because, like, that people say, like, oh, who cares if, like, he doesn't say the word abortion? Like, there's bigger fish to fry here. But no, like, that matters. It matters because the reason we largely, you know, besides, like, the racism and classism around the issue, a huge reason why we are in the situation we're in is because of abortion stigma. And within abortion stigma is the refusal of our, like, 
legislators or individuals in positions of power to acknowledge that abortion is healthcare, abortion is equity, abortion is, you know, a large part of what gives a person the right to autonomy over their own lives. So, yeah, it's... Yeah, and we've seen, like, we've all read the studies and seen the examples of how access to abortion has over time um, just, like, done a lot of really great things for marginalized people, especially, like, black women. They ha- they've had, like, the um, the greatest sort of increases in, like, educational and professional achievements um, because of the right to abortion um, and because of, of family being able to plan, like, when you're giving birth and, like, if you're having children and what kind of family you want to have. And, like, that's, like, especially important now when, you know, the U.S. has such a horrible maternal mortality rate. Um, Again, like, specifically black women are, like, dying, like, giving birth. Like, pregnancy, like, you know, abortion isn't just, like, uh, about, like, planning out when you want to be pregnant or when you want to have kids. It's also, it can be, as we've said on this podcast before, it can be extremely dangerous to be pregnant for many, many, many reasons. Um, a, you know, our healthcare system fails a lot of pregnant people. Um, domestic violence um, rates go like way the fuck up when someone is um, pregnant. Like, there's so many things that make pregnancy in itself, and not even thinking about like if you have the money or the capital or like the logistical supports you need to raise a kid. Um, just the pregnancy itself can be like, like truly like life or death for a lot of people. I mean, giving birth is wild. Like (laughs) it's, it's insane. It's a wild thing to do. It's so crazy. And like, also something that I think is really important that like, we should never lose sight of is like, to your point about how abortion access has been like extremely like limited in like communities where there's the least or less resources namely like black brown indigenous communities lgbtq communities but also 59 percent of abortion patients already have children so they know what it takes Mm -hmm. like they know the financial burdens they understand like the emotional burden the time constraint the the impact on their bodies like these people who are accessing or seeking to access abortion already know what it means to have a child and can make that like decision for themselves and for their families and for their own children it's like it's just so and it's just so paternalistic that like the that like this I think like one of the there's a lot of narratives running through the draft decision but like one of them largely is paternalistic like to think that like a supreme court justice has the right to say like this is not a human right or this is not something that is intrinsic to somebody's ability to like live freely and and have autonomy over their own lives is just like absolutely paternalistic racist classist all of all the isms that there could be yeah and like even like you know back to the point you were making about how you know the majority of people who who are wanting to have abortions already have have already given birth before or maybe you know already be parents 
Um, I was also like reading a thing recently that was like, uh, again, like one of the turnaway study findings and the turnaway study for folks who don't know is sort of like the Mecca for <laughs> like, uh, just like this really awesome longitudinal study of like thousands of people who were, who either were able to get abortions that they wanted or were turned away. Um, or, you know, faced obstacles to getting it. And it went through a host of different metrics. And one of the things that I I found interesting that I hadn't realized, hadn't like seen before, is that the effects on, on children that you already have. So like they were saying that for, for children of people who were able to get an abortion, they had an increased, um, like, emotional bond with their um their birthing parent and for for children who were born after um a person was denied an abortion they 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 had less likelihood to have that emotional bond and they were far more likely to live in poverty um after that denial and so like those are things that we that like we i kind of knew the economic aspects but i hadn't thought about sort of like the emotional toll that it ha- that it you know inevitably will have on people if they are wanting an abortion can't get one and then have to potentially you know depending on and what they end up doing like potentially having to um have have another child yeah yeah exactly it's it's just really crazy um and i think like something that we need to underscore here is that like when the decision does drop, um, there are going to be like, there's a bunch of states, I think like 13 states that have already enacted laws that say like, as soon as Roe v. Wade is overturned or states or the Supreme Court gives back to the states the right to uh, ban abortion, like abortion will be banned within this state. And that's like 13 states currently that um, trigger boat bans are enacted. And then I believe like five states where there's pre-row bans, meaning that before Roe v. Wade was decided, abortion was banned in that state. So uh, there will be, I, I'm not sure exactly how that will play out, but it's likely that those like pre-row bans will go back into enforcement. Um, and like some of these yeah. states are, of course, like the states where there are like larger, like black and brown, low income populations, like the, the compounding, like lack of access for these communities. And then also these communities being located in like mainly these states that have trigger bans that have like histories of restrictions on abortion access. It's just, it's just a really, it's, it's going to be absolute chaos and the decisions expected yeah. like any day now, but like a lot of people are yeah. saying like probably near the end of June. Yeah, it's going to be, so all those things, obviously, you know, it, it's, we still don't know how exactly that's going to play out. If like states are going to immediately act, um, you know, it's likely that they will. Cause that's what, you know, the politicians from those states keep saying, um and like in the states a bunch of uh legislatures are like oh yay like rose being overturned let's like set up a special session to like really you know really get rid of abortion <laughs> um so they're they're lining up their ducks in a row 
Um, and another, like, and states, like, this has already been, like, a hot mess session um, that is coming to a close, kind of. Um, like, in Oklahoma, there were just, like, these tiers of bans of different kinds of, there was first, like, a 30, a 30 day ban. So 30 days after gestation, um, 30 days into gestation, um, there was a ban and then there was another six week ban. And now they just passed and signed a total ban with SBA like enforcement. So (laughs) they're just triple quadrupling down on these bans. And I think it's just going to get worse. And like, you know, like I said, like there's going to be special sessions and it's going to be really confusing and we're not going to really know what is happening until it all shakes out and let, that's part of the plan right like the chaos of it all like how we talked about when SBA ca- came down and people were just like really confused as to even like what it meant if people were going to get prosecuted if you know if if uh, patients could get sued like that's part of the strategy is to create chaos so that people are scared to to look for resources and to get care even even if it's you know technically legal in their state uh, that's just so sad and scary um i know that the resource a lot of folks in the movement are pointing other folks to um isn't i need i need a abortion like yeah i need also like if you know, somebody were possibly looking for medication, abortion pills. There's a lot of groups that uh, provide medication, abortion pills, which, you know, are, have a better safety record than Tylenol. And um, in the event that there was a medical issue, somebody, you know, could go to the hospital and because medication abortion and a miscarriage um, from a medical perspective have are indistinguishable. Um, the symptoms are mm-hmm. indistinguishable. Like if somebody lived in a state, for example, where abortion or self-managed abortion was illegal, um, that person, you know, could just say I've miscarried and doesn't need to, you know, explain the decisions that they've made for themselves and their family. Uh, via taking self-managed mm-hmm. abortion pills. But there's websites like, um, I believe it's called, uh, what is it, Aid, aidaccess.com. Uh, mm-hmm. And then also Plan C is another website. And then for folks who are, you know, looking for uh, an abortion, you can go to I Need a Abortion. I believe it's called, we'll link all of the, the resources yeah. uh, on the podcast, but there is, there's a lot of places that you can go to, um, to find information. And it's important that, you know, you go to resources that are trusted and you don't end up at some like cri- crisis pregnancy center where they lie to you and tell you that like, they're going to help you with your abortion and end up trying to talk you out of it and telling you false facts about abortion. <laughs> yeah for sure when you're like we'll list a bunch of resources um in the description because even when you're just googling like abortion near me you might get a website of a crisis pregnancy center which like are these predatory places that are generally like religious and will not give you an abortion and they don't like a lot of them don't even have like 
accredited medical staff and you know they'll just make you feel bad (laughs) and they lure you in by promising you know free ultrasounds or things like that so make sure you are looking at everything that you find online with a critical eye and try to um, vet resources um, and we hope you know that the stuff that we put in the description is helpful to to people and it's stuff you know we've been doing this work and, and it's stuff that like we we recommend looking at and that we are sure um is like good information yeah exactly um yeah so (laughs) i think that's all for this week um we're sending lots of love and uh you know hugs to folks who are freaking out right now about the status of abortion access and reproductive rights and other rights that are related to you know Roe v. Wade, um, such as, you know, same-sex marriage and things like that. We're sending a lot of love your way. Um, and, you know, regardless of the circumstances, we're not giving up. I know whoever's listening, you're not giving up and we just got to keep pushing forward. And if you're looking for ways to help, you can always donate to local abortion funds or funds located in states where access is limited. Um, and that's how you can, you know, the best way for you to get involved and to support people who are being impacted by the current status. Yeah. And we'll definitely put some suggestions on um, abortion funds that need your help now. And um, we'll, we'll keep doing that, I think, the rest of the time. Just maybe rotate some abortion funds in places that need it the most. Um, yeah. So now I guess it's time to turn to <laughs> our pop culture segment. <laughs> Just like a hard left. Just a hard left into garbage and and just just nothing of substance. No, well listen, there's so much actual bullshit happening right now in the world i don't know about you but i was so depressed last week i couldn't even like drag my ass out of bed it was just so heavy like we do we should acknowledge like you know the shootings that happened in texas that happened uh at a majority black community of black elders uh in buffalo new york and it's just you know, when we talk about reproductive justice issues, like mass shootings are a reproductive justice issue. Like the reproductive Mm -hmm. justice, like the theory that was created by black women for black women, um, and for communities that are not like included or given access to, um, reproductive rights, uh, or included when, you know, a lot of folks are talking about reproductive rights. Um, Part of that theory is, you know, the right to raise your child in, to choose when, if, when, and how you want to have a child. And if you do have a child, the right to raise that child in a environment or a community where they're safe, where they're not, you know, at mm-hmm. threat of being exposed to, you know, toxins that impact their health or um, being gunned down by police officers because of their race or being shot in their school because of lack of, you know, state restrictions and federal restrictions on gun control and gun access. And so mm-hmm. it's 
truly devastating what happened to these communities. Um, I'm thinking of those children and like particularly like we shouldn't erase the fact that these children were like did live in a town, a Texas town that was very close to the border. Like they were majority Latino children and um, it's just truly devastating. And, you know, the parents that were trying to get into the school to protect their children and uh, the police officers who refused to do anything like all of that can fall does fall under the umbrella of reproductive justice and um is just another reason why like folks are out here doing this work yeah absolutely and i like i wanted to kind of touch on um some of that stuff but it just a lot of it feels like really close to home for me (laughs) and it's you know i i don't know how you know to intellectualize it or make it funny or make it interesting um all of that stuff is like really difficult and like stuff that like I'm mostly just talking to my therapist about this week like I can't there's just some things that um just hit you in a different way um so yeah we're sending love to you know the families and the people and like also recognizing that you know this could affect you even if you know you're not related to the folks um that are most impacted um if you're just like thinking about the state of the world and you know the a system that makes these sort of tragedies happen like you know back to back and like you know this kind of thing happens in this country all of the time and it's like that the onion article that's like um what was i forget what it is but it was like um another mass shooting happens in the united states um and like it's like the only quote-unquote developed country that doesn't have like restrictions on like gun gun ownership um we're basically just living in an onion article at this point like truly we we are truly yeah it's it's really devastating um and yeah we send our love to those that are affected um you know take time to grieve and process and get a fucking therapist um and yeah let's let's move on pop culture <laughs> um first of all i just want to give a big loud high gay to all of our gaydies out there who are celebrating Hi, gay. Hi, happy gay. pride gay <laughs> happy pride gays um yeah this is officially pride season so you know we want to start off talking about the uh changes happening or the new episodes coming out on drag race first and foremost i want to say congratulations to willow pill who won the most recent season of drag race um 
I don't know if y'all are familiar with her, but she was who I wanted to win from the very beginning. She's absolutely hilarious. Um, she walked into the uh, workroom like for her first appearance wearing like basically like mall slut clothes <laughs> from like the early 2000s. Her shirt said like it was supposed to say like angel, but she like it's spelled it was spelled angle. <laughs> she's just absolutely hilarious and she's also i thought it was like fitting that she's has a lot of like health issues and that she's very open about on the season and talked about you know her experience being immunocompromised and things like that and dealing with health issues and how it impacted her way of life and like you know of course as we're in this um absolute hellscape of the global pandemic on top of all the other shit we're dealing with uh, I just think it's fitting that we have a new reigning queen of RuPaul's Drag Race, Willow Pill, um, an absolute icon. Um, but also, some other updates is that the current All-Stars cast is a winner's season. Very exciting. It's season seven, and uh, basically... All-Stars, for those who aren't familiar, um, there's regular drag race where, you know, it's new queens who've usually never competed before unless somebody's, like, coming back for some reason. Um, But All-Stars is queens who have already competed on regular drag race, come back and compete against each other. There's only ever been one winner, um, which was Bibi Zahara Bonet, who's the first winner of drag race to ever come back to All-Stars. Um, but this season they're having an all winners cast. So that's very cool. Very fun. The cast includes, uh, you know, famous winners like, uh, Trinity, the tuck jinx monsoon, who's just like absolutely hilarious at snatch game. Um, Monet exchange Raja, who I think was like the winner of season two or something. So like a very, very deep cut for drag race. Like, before, like, the winner's pot was even $100,000, like, or I guess they just upped it to $150,000. Like, Raja's been there from the very beginning. Um, the Vivian, who's, like, from uh, the UK Drag Race, I believe, which is really cool. And then mm-hmm. Shay Coulee, who is one of my favorite queens of all time. Um, she, like, I think just won the most recent RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. So, uh that's interesting that she's back. Um, what do you think about that? Because I think if I had won Drag Race, if I had like won the crown, especially if I had won Drag Race All-Stars, which a lot of these queens have, like Monet Exchange, Trinity the Tuck, Shea Coulee, like they all have won, like not the regular season, but All-Stars, like the best of the best. I don't know if I come back and compete against the best of the best, because then it's like, if you don't win, yeah. does that take away your you know, what you had done previously? What do you think? I think what we forget is that um, inherent in being a drag star, I think there's a certain level of ego (laughs) that maybe we're not familiar with. (laughs) Yes. Um, And so I bet that they, every girl that's going on is like, oh, I'm absolutely going to win. And it's (laughs) not even in their frame of mind that, like, these are people that are, you know... uh, like 
presumably like on the on their same level so so i think that's something that we need to keep in mind um when when thinking about this i personally know that i would just like if i had won any kind of drag race i would just like take my coins take my crown and like you know wither away maybe start a podcast (laughs) like that kind of thing i would not want to compete again because i i would know that it was you know sheer luck and charisma that that would make me win um yeah <laughs> and also that's my thoughts i couldn't go from like having won it you know and then like losing it like that feels like that would depress me yeah. um but somebody who it's also like so much work and money to do it like so um, much money i just have been listening to like some podcasts and like like videos and stuff and i'm just like I could never like you're telling me I have to go somewhere and like they can't really really like you know talk to friends or family like I would have to leave Michael my Michael <laughs> who's my dog um for like months it seems like nah like I I just don't know that I would do that twice yeah it seems like just absolute hell um and the money aspect is huge and that's something that kind of pisses me off because i personally appreciate the drag queens that are like more what they call crafty queens like those that like find interesting pieces at like a thrift store and somehow turn it into this like incredible look or like those who like yeah. beg, borrow, and steal their stuff, and like you can see like their own personal touch in everything that they create. Um, like there's some queens who literally design and create every single outfit that they wear, or largely every single outfit that they wear. There's queens who show up with like uh, I think Heidi in closet. I if I believe uh, if I'm correct, she came to drag race i think she was like on like the last season or the season before she came to drag race with like 20 dollars in her bank account like literally just the clothes on her back like the stuff that she already had the stuff that her community was able to pull together and like she still made it to like one of the last like eliminations because she just was a star you know she's just like hilarious she's funny she's got that crazy whistle and like it's just like the the folks that the queens that show up like without the like financial backing like there's they're the ones who like stand out the most to me somebody who i think Mm -hmm. i always think about when it comes to crafty queens is evie oddly who's also on this new season of all stars she is just like the definition of crafty queen she makes all her stuff she's so bizarre she's like wears the craziest kookiest things has like so much camp in her looks and I'm just obsessed with her. I was obsessed with her when she won her season and now apparently she's killing it in the new all-star season. I have not watched yet because I, I do not, my Paramount like subscription expired because I lost my debit card, but (laughs) I need to get it back so that I can start watching and catch up on everything because these queens are just like really something else. They're like, it's the best of the best of the best competing against each other. Yeah, it's going to be wild. I'm going to tune in. I haven't, I like basically have been starting to watch uh, Drag Race from the start. So I'm like extremely behind. (laughs) And there's like seasons with like a million episodes also like now. So it's going to take me a while. I'm also, that's like my same stance on like, survivor i like just started watching survivor from the beginning and so i feel like 
it's a daunting task, um, especially with all my other crafts and hobbies <laughs> and my, you know, also like sitting around crying or contemplating. Um, and so, you know, I, I do feel the pressure, uh, especially with this podcast of having an opinion on my <laughs> drag race. So, um, you know, I, I'm working on it, but I think getting back to your point, like I, there should be like an economic study of how much the girls actually end up taking home even, you know, with inflation yeah. and all because the, the prize money hasn't like changed in a long time like you said i think they just upped it and again like you know this last year like our inflation rate was like 11 percent or something not to be that person but it just seems kind of wild and especially when they're coming in with like either stuff they've already made or like they have to do stuff in the in the actual during the show or like buy really expensive things like it just seems like they should at least be given like a budget or like or something like um, like a cat. What was the, in that? Yeah, or like what was that show? The with the the designers, um, like a- the Amazon Some... fashion show or whatever. No, the 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 runway. Oh, um, oh, I know what you're talking about. You know what I'm talking about. But it's like they all went to mods and like they had like you know a budget and like you sometimes they even had like help like assistance like i feel like that should be the same model and like i think people should be on the same playing field like i don't think it's like fair that people can come in and just because they have money they have all these like really crazy wigs or outfits i feel like everyone should come in with like a same a similar similar like level of like craftsmanship or like a budget or something so you can actually like you know like uh judge folks by like their actual um by their like their skills not just like if you can afford expensive outfits i agree and like a lot of what drag queens i've heard what a lot of like the queens who get picked to go on drag race what they do is they like take out if they don't already have a ton of money or like nice stuff already they take out like huge loans and use those loans to buy a bunch of like stuff to wear and it's like that sucks because like you were saying like then that that like depletes like if they actually do win that takes away from what they you know overall take home and also just from my perspective like I do think like a lot of queens come down the runway with like incredible looks and um really bring it and like I just feel like the like expectations keep getting heightened and heightened and heightened but some queens like their looks just like even when you can tell there's been there a lot of money has been spent on them and they're like custom made for like to fit the theme a lot of times it's like not good in my opinion it's almost like it's like oh I can tell that that was like you're just trying too hard like that look is just not I don't know. Like, I feel like less resources oftentimes leads to, like, more creativity and, like, self, like, dependency. And, like, obviously that's not fair. But I agree. There should be either, like, a cap. Like, you can only spend, like, this amount of money or you can only use the stuff you already have. I don't know. Something to – or here, you can all take this amount of money and, like, wear whatever you buy with it. But – yeah, it's definitely not equitable, and it's not fair. <laughs> and honestly, they should listen to us, because the thing is, we are the, like, primary audience for for Drag Race, like, <laughs> bisexual women. <laughs> like, 
is is truly the majority of like the followers. So, yes, queen, it works. Yes. <laughs> Um, so if anyone should have an opinion, it's us as the consumers. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I really think that like, I mean, and I know it's like some, some, some people like don't mind that, you know, that drag queens, uh, just like buy outfits or whatever. But I, I, I kind of agree with you that I find it the most striking when people make their own pieces and like, you can really see their personality come through. I mean, there's definitely a lot of merit to like styling clothes you know just like in general and i think that's like a skill in and of itself but um especially for like the create more creative um like challenges i think especially like i think there should be kind of rules about what things like you know in this challenge you can wear something that it was made by somebody else or like in this challenge you can't to, to kind of just even it out and i know like some some challenges specifically are like you have to make it but I think that should be more like standardized and less of an emphasis um, of of like just your ability to buy stuff. Yeah, I definitely think there should be more design challenges. Like there's way more design challenges on early seasons. I think like design yeah. challenges are like the great, the great equalizer because it forces like folks to like bring their creativity and the crafty queens always do best in those challenges because they have the skills to like create their own looks and stuff but yeah i think that's so funny we are like the primary consumers like never once had to like like we really are <laughs> we never once had to like put ourselves in drag know what like the actual toll is no. on our bodies like i do want to get in drag one day though <laughs> me too i did drag um i did drag once um for it like it was just kind of like a uh uh law school bar thing um, but yeah, drag is really fun and I, I love performance. So we should put Steven in drag. Oh, little angel. He has like texture problem, whatever. I'm, we're not going to get into this, <laughs> but I put him in dresses before and his autism and dresses like just doesn't work sometimes <laughs> just like, like viscerally it doesn't work. So but I'm, I'm definitely trying. Okay. Well, I want to block his brows if we ever get to put him in drag. <laughs> oh, he hates makeup. He can't stand it. Uh, we and it's not, it's like, and I can't emphasize this enough for the, for our listeners. Like, it's really not a masculinity thing. If you knew Steve, like, it's really not it's a masculinity really not thing. That. It's like, <laughs> it's truly a sensory experience <laughs> that he can't deal with. I get that. Um... Yeah. Okay, so now you have to tell me about the Amber Heard trial because I I know like the verdict came down today, but I have literally no yeah. idea about. I tried listening to TikTok. I found this one woman had two hundred something like videos on her TikTok oh uh, playlist. I was like, okay, we need to take a step oh, no. back here. Like, what the hell? Yeah, I think. I mean, I don't think it's useful for us to get into the weeds of the actual thing, but like. Um, just like as a background, if you've been living under a rock, um, Amber Heard and Johnny Depp uh, just finished a uh, defamation trial. It was a countersuit. So Johnny Depp sued Amber Heard for defamation for a um, article that she wrote, not saying Johnny's name, but um, insinuating it where she outlined 
um, uh, the alleged abuse that she was under in that marriage. Um, and Johnny Depp countersued her for, oh wait, yeah, no, and then Amber countersued him for defamation for, um, because basically he was saying that, you know, that this was all a lie and that she was actually the abuser and blah, blah, blah. Um, but I don't really think that's necessarily the point of like what I wanted to talk about. What I wanted to talk about more is like the media coverage and like the talk that's been going around that has been super harmful and dangerous for, um, domestic violence and like sexual assault, uh, survivors. Um, because they're, they're, you know, there's sort of like these two people and like we don't know what actually happened in like their relationship and i'm actually really not that interested in in what happened there um i think for folks like it's really difficult to understand abuse and that sometimes you know that people who who experience abuse can also um demonstrate uh like actions that to an outsider might seem like it's also abuse but that is usually what it is is a trauma response to like what's happening and it's it's actually part of like the original abuser's abuse (laughs) so hopefully that makes sense but like i just think the way that that people are talking about it like mostly like on tiktok is like what i've been consuming is just like well you know they both are abusers and like they both like did things and i think People just have a fundamental, like, lack of understanding of how abuse happens, how domestic violence happens, um, and it's been, like, honestly, like, pretty triggering to watch this, like, all play out, like, as someone who, um, has witnessed a lot of, like, domestic violence, like, in my life, um, it is, it's just very complicated, and I think, like, the circus around it like you know people like live tweeting the the trial and like trying to um like discredit everything that amber is saying um just like fundamentally don't understand how like trauma works and yeah it's like super gross and it's like just from you know like i don't want to get into many like the details but like when you experience trauma the way that your memory works is not necessarily like in a linear way um and you know things might come back up like in flashbacks or in um emotions and they may not like make a ton of logical sense i like literally was like reading about this uh last night in a book that i'm reading about trauma um and how sometimes it takes like a long time for you to actually like put the pieces together of a traumatic event so that it makes, um, like, chronological, like, order. Like, it makes sense in that way. And so, to me, like, when I was hearing her, you know, recount um, the specific events, I didn't, you know, the fact that, like, and there was, like, people making fun of, like, the way that she said it, like, oh, he slapped me, and then I turned around, and they were trying to recreate it, and, like, it didn't make sense. And it's, like, to me, that doesn't, to me, that, like, that actually builds her credibility to me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it, it, it's like how, like how our brain thinks about trauma and like how memory works. But again, like it's not my place to say that she's credible, and it's like certainly not like every other like idiot on TikTok to like 
pull apart this person's story because at the end of the day, like, none of us were there. And I think, like, the thing that, like, I want to focus on is, like, that, like, just, like, do basic research on, like, how trauma works, how, like, your memories work, how um, cycles of abuse, like, happen before you get on your on your ticky talkies and your and your Twitter and um and start just saying bullshit cuz it's like you don't know <laughs> Yeah, your ticky talkies and your Twitter. <laughs> and yes, like I will say like Amber's uh, attorneys, I don't know if you've seen clips of of her attorneys. They're not good yeah, at their job. <laughs> I feel They're bad. really not. They're really bad. And it's like <laughs> That's not her fault, and that has nothing to do with who's right or who's wrong. He said he said like, yeah, like, himself. He was like, hearsay. Already, it was cringe vibe. And it's like, I feel like that. We were texting the, about this earlier. That like stoked the fire, though. Like the sloppiness yeah. of her attorneys. Like, like already, I feel like this case. First of all, like to be honest, I really don't care who was right and who was wrong. That's like, honestly, not, yeah. not of my concern. I think honestly, they, it's, it sounds like they both made mistakes and like, there is, I think it's just, I, I try to see the world in a more nuanced way where it's like, people are impacted by things, some more deeper than others. And also like, sometimes things are just aren't black and white, but like for people to like, have formed these opinions based on like, First of all, evidence that is only, like, evidence they were able to get into court. And then, like, snippets of, like, clips of, like, these, this trial as it plays out. And, like, it, I've, I've just seen people be so aggressive in their support of one person mm-hmm. or the other that it almost comes off like, um, like sports teams, you know, like... I'm yeah. rooting for the Giants and like you're rooting for the Red Sox or whatever. Those are two different <laughs> that's <laughs> football and baseball. But you know what I mean? Like people who are just like yeah. like like it's the Super Bowl. Like that's just gross. Like this is a very personal yeah. experience and like the media circus that's been around it has just been like grotesque. And that's not to say that like the, you know, system of, you know, having public like court hearings isn't valuable because I know that's like a, a way that we hold our courts accountable um, by maintaining this like requirement that they're public so that, you know, media and other resources and the public can hold courts accountable. But like the, the public response and like the circus online has just been a, like a lot, like they're calling her like Amber turd. Like that's just, that's mean. And also I saw somebody yeah. tweet something that I agree with, like, they said um, that, keep in mind that this is setting a precedent that, like, any person who, like, claims that they experienced domestic violence or abuse, um, they're, the person they make this claim against now has, or I'm sure this isn't the first case where it's happened, but, like, has the ability to, like, sue them for defamation for, like, stating the experience that they allegedly have and I think that's a really true point but it's also true in the sense that like it doesn't really matter if like in the case of Amber Heard and Johnny Depp like whatever that like the outcome was what it should have been because I truly didn't follow the case to like have an educated opinion on like one side or the other I'm obviously more inclined to believe survivors and people who 
claim to have experienced domestic violence. But like, regardless of that, like their specific case, like that precedent exists and now and like, yeah. we've especially in the age of Me Too and like seeing like all the ways that like large media figures have fallen um, because like the there's been like this the stories of how those people have abused women and have abused people have been publicized. Like it is a scary situation and like maybe not in like the like like term of art way precedent that like this is the first time this has ever happened mm-hmm. and now it's going to be like this like legal precedent. I think more in like the public the court of public opinion yeah. it's a precedent now. Like who knows, maybe like whoever's the next person to like be have a claim made against them, like Nicolas Cage or please, God, I hope that doesn't happen because I do like Nicolas Cage. But, like, (laughs) say somebody comes out and says, like, Nicolas Cage did this. Like, now he can look to this case and be like, well, I can just sue them for defamation because it worked out for Johnny Depp, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and, like, a lot of the stuff that that I've been seeing, like, it's just, it makes me, like, it's just, like, really sad that I know there's people out there who are probably seeing this play out and, like, maybe identify with like some of the stuff that Amber is saying and now they're like well I better just like keep my mouth shut because this can you know ruin my career or like you know like all this stuff of like trying to like expose her and like call her a liar and like it's like the same bullshit it's like the same thing that anyone like especially women who claim that they're being abused by powerful men like it's like the same exact script and it's like it's just wild because it's like it's like gen z doing it like you know or like millennials like people on tiktok that are generally like i would assume like a bit more progressive than like than you know decades past are saying the same exact bullshit that like got us into a me too space and like it just like It just makes me sad that this is, like, still the narrative. Like, obviously, I knew, like, that's true, that that, that's still sort of the narrative. But I think just, like, seeing it, like, on my For You page is wild. And it's, like, it's people, like, TikTok accounts that generally are, like, progressive or, like, whatever or or younger are, are saying the same stuff. And it's, like, they can't even recognize that they're spreading kind of the same narrative that has been happening forever and it's like it's old and it's tired and it's like not true yeah so i'm sorry like let's like move on i'm sorry that if it's been like triggering for you too because i know like i've just been trying to avoid it because it's not triggering for me in the sense that like it happened to me personally it's just more like i don't really want that like kind of negative energy in like my sphere when there's already so much dark shit happening in the world so I've just kind of been avoiding it in that sense but like yeah you're right like for people who are impacted by it like have have like personal experience with like domestic violence in like big ways and in small like this has probably been like a lot a lot you know to see on their on their social media and like also there's something to be said like (laughs) Amber Heard is like an easy target you know because Johnny Mm -hmm. Depp is you know for all intents and purposes he is a beloved figure you know like if you go back Mm -hmm. and watch his movies like i loved him in pirates of the caribbean like i (laughs) i loved all his movies like i always thought he was like you know amazing and like what's eating gilbert grape and then like 
Just an aside, I literally can't watch Pirates of the Caribbean because I have a jewelry phobia. And throughout that entire series, all they wear is dirty, disgusting amounts of jewelry. Wait, and you have a jewelry phobia? it shakes phobia? me to my core. What does that mean? I've told you this several Wait, times. what the fuck are you talking about? What is a jewelry phobia? <laughs> I have a phobia of jewelry. I can't, I can't, I don't wear it. A, and if I focus too much on it on other people, it just really like is the most disgusting <laughs> thing in the world to me. It's like a phobia. <laughs> and so I like the Par- Pirates in the Caribbean movies. And I've seen some of them, but sometimes I'm not in a good mind space because all I can think about is dirty, disgusting fucking pounds of metal on this dirty, disgusting man. Ew. And um, that that is very triggering. <laughs> Yeah, I guess it's kind of like, I'm sure the actors, like, took off the jewelry and it was, like, made to look dirtier than it actually is. But, like, if you think about it from, like, if you're in the moment and, like, you're thinking about, like, the actual pirates wearing that stuff, it's, like, ew, like, they're, like, like, they're sleeping with that and, like, it's probably been on them for years, like, ew. Yeah. I mean, even normal people wearing jewelry, if I look at it too much, or if people are wearing, like, very obvious jewelry, or they point it out to me, I freak out. So, that 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 series of movies is very difficult for me to watch. But, anyways. It's a bizarre phobia to have, not to phobia shame okay. you. <laughs> it's, it's kind of rare. I mean, I looked it up. I think it might be a little bit, like, why I think I'm on the spectrum, because, like, sensory stuff like that, I'm just, like, it gives me the ick. But I looked it up, and other people feel the same. Not a lot of people, but there's other people out there. If you have a jewelry phobia, let me know. Yeah, go into our DMs uh, and let us know. We want to hear from you. Um, But, yeah, and I think, like, Amber Heard hasn't had, like, a lot of, like, big roles. You know, I know she was in, like, Pineapple Express and... I guess Aquaman. I think she's been in big stuff. Has she? Hasn't she? I don't know. I I think she has. I mean, yeah, it it doesn't matter. Like, you know, like in the at the end of things, it really doesn't. Here, let's see. Yeah, but it's just like Aquaman. It's like of course it's like, yeah, of course everybody can get on like the Johnny Depp train because it's like, oh, like he's so beloved. He's from like our childhood, you know? Like he's blah blah blah. He's Johnny Depp. Captain Jack Sparrow and then it's like oh here's like Amber Heard like I don't know it just seems like she's an easy target in that aspect it's like okay you can appreciate Johnny Depp's films but you don't have to be out here with like signs outside the courtyard like we support Johnny like calm down yeah and it's yeah it's just like my thing is like you just don't know like you don't people have such a what's it called, like, these parasocial relationships with people who they don't fucking know. Like, there's artists out there that I love their music or, like, actors or whatever, but they could be, like, truly serial killers. Like, there's no way to know. They could be huge assholes and you have no idea. Yeah. And, And so I just think it's silly and, like, I think it's dangerous also. Like, like, you're gonna look so fucking stupid if, like, we find out that he is an abuser. Like, you're gonna look so dumb. You're gonna be just like the people that were, like, standing outside, like, a serial killer's, like, um, like, prison and, like, idolizing them. Like, that's gonna be you and, like, that's, like, deeply embarrassing. Yeah, I agree. And it's just a weird way to even, it's a gross way to, like, interact with, like, a DV-related case. It's just, like, gross overall. Like, just, just shut up about yeah. it and just, but just shut up yeah like 
Yeah, just shut up. Like, read some books about trauma and, like, have opinions. And maybe... Here's here's a thought. Start your own podcast. Yeah. And... <laughs> and just say your opinions into that. And then hopefully no one will hear it. Yeah. And 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 that's good. That's what you need. Exactly. Yep. Um, I was going to talk about the Liam Payne stuff, but I no longer care. Okay. So we can save that for another day unless you're interested in, to hear um, about Liam Payne. I literally don't even know who that is. So. <laughs> From One Direction? You don't know Liam Payne? Oh, I guess I know him like that, but I the blonde one well there's two blonde ones um okay so liam payne um is like in one was in one direction and they all broke up and there's been a lot of drama because just this past i think yesterday maybe even today or yesterday he did an interview with logan paul like red flag number one and he just had a bunch of stuff like like basically like dissing everyone that was formerly in one direction like saying that um like it was an unhinged i didn't watch it because i don't want to give logan paul views but i saw like clips on tiktok um and articles and stuff but basically he was like oh yeah like simon cowell like i had been on the x fact so they all met in the x factor um and he had been there previously two years before one direction and he um, didn't make it to, like, the final rounds of the first one. And then um, he was basically saying the story that, like, some, uh, what's-his-face, like, they created One Direction, like, around him. Like, he was the original person, and they chose everyone else around him, which doesn't seem true because he's probably, like, one of the least talented in that group. Yeah. And he also was saying that, like, he was just saying a lot of, like, garbage. He was like, oh, like, when I I released my single first, like, um, that it had over a billion streams and it was the most successful out of all the other ones, which is, like, <laughs> so, like, verifiably untrue. Yeah, because honey, are I don't know you, you headlining I don't know if you know who Harry Styles no. is. Like, Harry but he literally Coachella. is doing, like... Like, he doesn't get more famous than Yeah, that. like, what are you... <laughs> yeah like just like truly unhinged things i just saw this really funny like tiktok video of, of liam payne doing a, a recent like quote-unquote show it looked like it was like a club but like literally no one was looking at him he was shirtless on like a mini stage Ew. and just like singing one direction songs like not even his original song it like was i'll send it to you because it was like the most like pathetic like fall from grace moment that i've seen and he's like like out of the five of them he's like literally probably like the least successful and for him to be on the show being like yeah like one direction was like all about me and i you know my single was so popular and he just also made like some kind of like a little bit racist comments about zane and just being like kind of saying like you know, his upbringing was different and he had a difficult relationship with his family and like a really like, just like a fucked up tone. Ew. And yeah, and just like spilled a lot of of stuff, like, like just talking about like some of the conflicts that happened and basically how he like threatened one of the other like band members, like just like a lot of really gross stuff. Um, And yeah, I think Liam Payne is officially canceled and 
I think the first hint is that he went on this fucking show with Logan Paul. Yeah. Like, that's like, do you want to be canceled? Like, and, and like, just like said, the wildest, most untrue, just like mean things. And, and it's like, none of the other boys, as far as I know, I think maybe Zayn might have said like a couple of like comments, but they mostly like, you know, obviously they broke up. So I'm sure there was drama and there's going to be politics like in any boy band, <laughs> but they have all kept it like professional and just been like yeah like you know i'm really happy for everyone and everyone's doing their own thing but and for him especially to be mean is so crazy because again he's like the least talented and the least successful so it just feels like he wants to start drama so people start paying attention to him again yeah he like just like seriously backfired he sounds like a bitter bitch and he sounds like a jealous bitch um like i can't name a liam payne i didn't even know who he was (laughs) 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 and i know who harry is everyone knows who harry is yeah so i just i and this this honestly hurt my feelings because um, I don't know if you know this, but in high school I was a very crazy One Direction fan. Oh my god, that is <laughs> very interesting. I was very crazy. I remember once um, this was like the summer between high school and college. Um, they were doing a tour, and I was like, I'm gonna go see them in Orlando. And my mom um, was like, how much are tickets? And I'm like, I don't know, like $100. And so she gave me $200 on, on, she was like, spend $200 on this card and get us two tickets and I'll go with you. Cause I'm, you know, a child. And, and I go on the website and all the tickets that are left are like $200. So I just buy a single ticket. (laughs) She was so pissed. Oh my God. But then I was like, Okay, so I went to the One Direction concert by myself. It was me, um, like a bunch of 14-year-olds, <laughs> me, and then their moms. <laughs> They're like, where's your kid? You're like, ah. I am the kid. <laughs> and I had the time of my life. I had so much fun. And um, I, we, I met this girl, and if you are into um, One Direction fandom, you know that Paul it was their tour manager for a while and bodyguard and he was hanging out and I knew who he was because again I was a freak in high school and he was hanging out and I made him a sign actually because I was like what are the odds that like one of the boys you're gonna see my signs like absolutely zero but if I like run into Paul he'll definitely see my sign so I think I I forget what I wrote but it was something like I love Paul or it was some kind of like joke in like quote-unquote inside joke for Paul Uh uh-huh (laughs) <laughs> and he saw it and then um he we asked to take a picture with him and we took a picture but the fucking bitch who took our picture in my like nikon camera or whatever zoomed the fuck in so much that all you can see that picture is this random girl's left eyeball no. <laughs> and you can't see me or paul it's not even my eyeball that like, bitch she's an evil i hoe. literally <laughs> I when I saw that when I tell you I fucking cried for days like I was like I literally met Paul but no one is ever going to believe me because all I have is a picture of some random girl's left eyeball. 
I was so pissed. If you're listening to this, if you're listening to this, you bitch who took a picture of the eyeball and not of Anna. And Paul. It was some old hat. We hate and you. I like. I fucking hate you. Like you ruined my summer. I. Like, you know how many fucking retweets I would have gotten on goddamn Tumblr if I posted that shit? Yeah. That would have been crazy. She sabotaged you. It would have gone crazy. She sabotaged you. And, like, true One Direction fans would know that, like, it was really cool of me to, like, target Paul and get his attention and not the boys. Um, And, like, that was, like, very cool and an alternative of me. Yeah. And so... (laughs) I feel like I was really <laughs> let down by that experience. And and when they broke up, you know, like like many of us, you know, I was sad, I was mad, whatever. But then all the boys went on to have great little careers, except for Mr. Liam Payne, who now we all know is a big bag of dicks. And it's really disappointing to me and to all One Direction fans to see how, you know, how he has fallen from grace. Yeah. And he's officially canceled. And I want to, like, just rewrite my memories and just not have him have him be part of it yeah. anymore. Because he just tarnishes that whole, like, era of my life. I will say I love that one song, Night Changes. I think that's, like, a very, very good song. All the One Direction songs are truly bangers, and I will not be convinced otherwise. I think my sister's friend from college, she went to Berkeley, actually used to write a lot of their music, which is crazy. Oh my god. I will find out for you, wow. and so you can fangirl. And <laughs> yeah. Does she have any like continuing connections to the boys? Um, I don't know if he does. I... I met him like a couple times, like once at her wedding. But I can ask my sister. Please do. How exciting! So this time next week, we're gonna have an exclusive interview with Harry Styles. Oh my god! (laughs) Yeah, we will. (laughs) Uh, Um, So yeah, this has been an an advertisement for delusion. Okay, so tell um, me about the yeah. white... So that was Liam Payne. Tell me what the white flop of the week is. I have some white flops. I had a bunch of white flops the other day, but I forgot. Why don't you start with your corporate white flop, and I'll think of my white flop. Okay, my white flop of the week is corporate gay. <laughs> 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 that's what i wrote <laughs> i know i'm seeing it now on the google drive um so i guess you're getting this because i've been posting about it on my stories all day but i think it's so weird and so bizarre and so kind of funny that <laughs> that these corporations come out of their necks to be like rainbow sashay away kings and queens <laughs> all over their twitters instagrams all the logos change it's so weird but so funny um first of, it's hilarious it's hilarious and i love that tiktok by or the instagram by uh what is her name um what the hell is her name let me look it up uh meg stalter 
she mm-hmm. just captures it perfectly and just says like hi gay <laughs> and <laughs> and talks about how like if you do mouth stuff like you get if you can prove that you are a queer you get a 10% discount <laughs> it's so weird because like so much of like the gay community and like uh you know like just gay solidarity and queer solidarity is built on like anti-capitalism and uh mm-hmm. just like rejection of these like <laughs> corporate cultural like oppressive norms in society that have like impacted queer communities and like part of those communities like black and brown queer folks like for you know generations since like the beginning of (laughs) this this dawn of capitalism so it is just so weird that like these these corporations hi gay hi gay hi gay (laughs) open an account with corporate chase bank today <laughs> and get a limited gay queer <laughs> pussy slay discount slay queen <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i love it i think it's hi funny. queen here at corporation we and uh like diversity will we will not be hiring diversity but we will put it in on promotional materials yeah Bye, game. And, like, even, like, the, the uh, like, Pride Parade, where there's, like, all these, like, banks, like, with floats? Yeah. It's like, what are you guys <laughs> doing? Or, wait, there's always, like, the cops at the Pride oh, Parade. Oh, no, not the cops. Girl. With the rainbow, like, NYPD <laughs> sticker. It's, That's like, so embarrassing. Don't do that. We hate you. We don't want you here. We literally hate you. <laughs> Well, it's like how, you know, in um, our ward, Ward 1 here in D.C., to get some local politics, there's uh, a gay cop that's running for Ward 1 uh, council member. And everyone is just like, wouldn't it be so nice if we elected an LGBTQ? <laughs> and everyone is like, also like, but he's a cop. <laughs> what are you talking about? It doesn't matter that he, you know, I think he's like an immigrant or whatever is brown and is gay. And it's like, that's all good. But you're also a cop. He, so he's but, like a Republican implant. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like he was like endorsed by the Washington Post. And I'm like, that's like red flag. Number one. It's like, it's very much like, um, what does that like mean? Like we need more women police. We need more women <laughs> um, prison guards. It's like, ooh, no. these things are no. not the same, and they're actually from very different fields of thought. And to mix them together is like mixing together ranch dressing and ice cream. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do it. Don't do Rotted it. Rotted ranch. Dressing. I will say ice cream. I. I will say, like, when I was in middle school, I would put ketchup on ice cream, and I really liked it. Uh, okay, I'm going to actually throw up. I can't hear that. Don't ever say that to me again. <laughs> that's that's oh, really rotted. Sorry. You're the originator of I this. love ketchup. I love ketchup, I love ketchup, too. I'm a ketchup queen, but you will not catch me putting it on ice cream. That is just, that's blasphemy. Um, <laughs> Anyways. So what is your... What is your white flop of the week? I, this week, have to call out someone that needs to be called out and not in. And oh the person this week that I'm calling out, and it's going to shock many of you. It might disturb you. 
But the person that I am picking today <laughs> is... It's me. I'm the flop. I'm my own white flop of the of the. Wait, week. can you even be a why. white flop when you're not white? Yes, we've explained this to the okay. listeners <laughs> that you can have white flop behavior even if you are not white yourself. <laughs> I'm shocked right now. What did you do? I am a flop. You heard it here first, folks. Anna is the white flop <laughs> of the week. I have white flop ideas and white flop behaviors. Um. <laughs> And the thing that uh, really drove me to consider myself a flop this week is I was talking to someone about, like, I think I've told, I've talked to you about this, too, in the past, like, how I can't watch, like, nature or, like, climate change documentaries because I cannot deal with animal suffering, like, at all. Mm -hmm. But I was talking to someone, and I was like, yeah, I just, I can't watch that stuff, and I can't do that kind of work because I was like... She was like, oh, you should apply for this, like, climate change job. And I was like, no, I would literally crumble. I can deal with human suffering way easier <laughs> than I can deal with, like, animal suffering. <laughs> like, something about it, um, I know it's wrong, but it feels right. Um, and if you know me, you know that I have a zoo and I love animals and I have a, a problem. Um, and I love all kinds of animals. And I think that is one of the whitest things about me is that... I, like, love watching, like, serial killer documentaries. I could do that all day. And, like, I still have a lot of, like, empathy and care for victims, um, human victims. But I, like, physically cannot watch animals suffer. So you're basically, like, like, you're, like, a um, middle-aged housewife, white housewife, who posts on their Facebook about all the dogs that are suffering and need to be adopted um when there's yeah. like actual human when i think about it too deeply like when i think about it too deeply i like am inconsolable like it's the point where i, I cannot watch nature documentaries even just like straight up like nature documentaries i truly cannot watch them but i i mean i literally like my job day to day is like human suffering i then i lay down and read a book about human suffering and then I watch a show about human suffering. And, like, that's fine. <laughs> but when I think about literally, like, a dog, like, in a kennel, I start bawling my little white tears. <laughs> and I know that it's wrong and I need to work on it. And I am working on it. Um, but it's just who I am as a person. And I just had to call myself out because it's disgusting. And I know it's disgusting. Um, and it's shocking. So... It's something that I'm working through. And it's just, this is a message for me to you to say that even if you're a good person, which I'm not saying that I am, but like, even if you are a good person, like every one of us has a white flop um, at one point in our lives. And this is, this is my white flop. And you know, it's something that I'm (laughs) ashamed of and it's something that I'm working through. Um, But it's, it's my reality right now. And I'm, you know, I'm coming to. To understand it more. Everybody ha- can exhibit floppish behavior. We are all flops at the end of the day, just trying yeah. not to flop in this world. And that's, you know what? That's very brave of you, Anna, to look inward. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so brave. You're so brave. It's like when, what is, there's like some festival, I guess, in like, some Asian country I have no idea but I I feel like every year like when the <laughs> festival comes around I guess like there's dogs that are eaten like at this no. festival or something white 
middle-aged housewives go fucking nuts. This is their movement. They're like, we must stop them. They're eating dogs. And it's like, Karen, your husband has a gun and like says the N-word. Like, why don't you look at that and sit with that and maybe like think about that. Like your son's training to be a police officer. Like, let's let's talk about that. Okay, like your daughter yeah. like voted for Trump. Okay, like maybe look <laughs> at that and don't worry about. You, there's mess out there in the world. That's not that. It's not to say that I approve of the this like dog eating festival. This is to say, clean up your own backyard before you have something to say to, about somebody else's backyard. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's why I always tell people like, just don't let me watch these documentaries. Like, don't. Don't feed me that media. Like, honestly, don't tell me about climate change because I will become a Karen. Like, I just I just know myself and I know that I cannot consume that media without having a deeply problematic and passionate, like, emotional response. Totally fair. You know what? I, you're brave for showing up as your flop self. Thank you so much. Um, Thank you so much. So yeah. moving on to mental health inspiration of the week. Um... I don't want to get too into this, but I do just want to say that uh, I took the bar exam again, as you all know, and I got through it, um, but it was, I was shocked off my ass to find out that I passed and just like so grateful. Um, But I also like was, I, I was thinking and reflecting on how difficult like the last couple of months have been for me to juggle like working full time in repro and also studying for the bar exam again. And like, it seriously, I have been through like hard moments in my life for sure. Like very difficult moments in my life, things that I've experienced. But like, this was by by far the hardest moment of my life. Like, I was under so much stress that I developed inflammation in my joints, which led to me finding out that I have an autoimmune disease that's triggered by like stress and like my mental state and I couldn't like walk around my apartment for like two months. Like I couldn't even go on walks to like get some space from the, the stress that I was under and like get some space for my apartment. Like I basically was just like isolated to my desk and like working all day and then having to work all night. And I was just like crying so much. Like it was truly horrifying what I went through and all that is to say like nobody should ever go through that like nobody should have to go through Mm -hmm. that especially after having already gone to three years of law school like the bar exam I took like some time recently to write out a long email to some of my friends who were in the year below me in law school and just to like give them the advice that I had from taking the bar twice and uh just kind of like it was cathartic for me because I got to kind of like have a place to put all of that bad stuff and kind of turn, make, make a bad experience into a positive experience. But like all of that is to say that like this test, this exam is just completely toxic. It is not reflective mm-hmm. of an individual's ability to be an attorney at all. Like it is completely outdated and it, it is a form of gatekeeping and keeping like individuals with less resources um, out of the legal profession and it absolutely needs to be abolished. And if there's anybody who is currently going through the bar exam or knows someone who's going through the bar exam, 
Um, I am with you. Like I am here for you. If you want any advice, you can like reach out into our DMs and I'm happy to share any in- advice or insight that I have from my experience. But like, yeah, this is an awful, awful exam. It is highly racist, highly classist, highly ableist, and it just needs a to go. Yeah, 100% agree. And I know that there's like schools out there that are uh, making like the LSAT, which is like the, the thing that gets you into law school um, optional, which is like a great step, but like 100% agree that the bar has truly nothing, no correlation to your merit as a person or as a lawyer has no relation to what you're actually going to be doing as a lawyer um, and just is like, you know, part of this like system to keep people, to keep marginalized people out of the profession. Um, And so as hard as it is, try not to take it. It has literally nothing to do with you or your ability or anything like that. So as I know that it's, like, really difficult and, like, really, like, just, like, depressing to have to go through the whole process and, like, not pass. Um, And it's really hard to kind of have that perspective. And I know that I'm coming from a place where, like, you know, we're both, like, at a place where we're past that experience of our lives. And, like, so it's, like, very different when you're in it. Yeah. Um, But... But yeah, it sucks. You're it's meant to be difficult. It's meant to be impossible for some people. Like that's the point. Yeah. Um, and a, f- a yeah. friend of mine said something that I think is really important. She said that like oftentimes the trauma of the bar prep experience, like folks who pass the bar exam, it's almost like they forget what how bad it was, similar mm-hmm. to the way people forget like our bodies are trained to forget childbirth because it's so painful. And like, if we never, like, if we remembered how painful it was, people would stop reproducing. Um, I feel like that's like our brains, like kind of force us to forget how bad it is. And I want to like, make sure that like, I never forget how horrible it was, how like devastating, how painful, like both emotionally and physically it was for me to go through this. And like, we need to like as people who have passed the bar or who who have put the bar behind us like we need as attorneys we cannot forget it because like the folks who who are coming down the pipeline and are going through this experience like deserve for us to at least remember and repeat that like this this exam needs to be abolished yeah and we'll put resources in the description about organizing efforts or just ways to um, learn more about why we should abolish the bar and probably all standardized testing. Exactly. Okay, folks. Um, Anna, is there any mental health inspo that you want to share? Oh, I have one piece of in, uh, inspo. Um, one thing that has been really helping me lately is um, really taking care of my inner child. And by that, I mean, I've been buying a lot of Barbie dolls and American Girl dolls and calico critters and little miniature house sets. And I have been spending every waking moment when I'm not working, which is often, um, making little miniature houses. And it's brought me an immense amount of joy. Um, And it's, it's, (laughs) it's my passion 
And people really don't believe me when I say that I sit, I, because I, I, I feel like I, I seem like someone who's like very cool. <laughs> yeah, you're like super cool. And so fun. <laughs> but when I tell you, I truly spend hours of my day making little miniature houses, <laughs> um, playing pretend with little calico critters. <laughs> Um, in front of the TV. <laughs> I um, cannot. I. <laughs> when you picture me, picture that image. Okay. And that is what I'm doing. And so I really recommend that if there's like stuff that you didn't get as a kid, like maybe, you know, you didn't get Barbies or you like weren't able to be creative or whatever, or, you, you know, you just have a hankering for that stuff. Go out there, buy some slime, buy some Barbie dolls. Get in there. Get a hamster. Like, get into a hobby. Like, learn, you know, just do your little dumb hobbies. Um, Get those little um, miniature, like, they make these (laughs) really fun miniatures of, like, food that is, like, so fun. Like, get into that, you know? I think that's adorable. Um, I support you in that. And I have seen Barbies at your house, so can confirm. You do have cool Barbies Mm -hmm. that have, like, their hairs get changed and they change colors and stuff. So, yes. Um, And I've been playing Nintendo lately, like Mario, like, Odyssey, and, of course, I'm always on Animal Crossing. So, I feel like that's a similar version of catering to my inner child. So, thank you for bringing that here, and you're very right. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's close, close her up. All right, folks, that's it. That's all we have for you this week. We will be back, um, you know, when we're back with. (laughs) We'll, we'll be back when we'll be back and you'll be here and we'll be back. So that's that. That's that. (laughs) Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Bye, gang.